This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room, Byron. It is a pleasure to have you here, man. For those that don't know and are just listening, this isn't the first time you and I are chatting, and I'm glad that we're doing it again and on a platform that's way more accurate for what you're doing. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Man, doing good. I I can't tell you how excited I am to have Jason and myself be able to listen to what you've been up to since the last time you and I chatted. Uh, So I think where it makes the most sense traditionally on this show is to kick things off by asking, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Um, I do. My uh, father, when I was a young kid, started a series of restaurants in Baton Rouge, Louisiana that still exist. Um, My older brothers have created their own companies. I was uh, never intentioned to do this. I think my dad and my brothers had that as their MO, you know, during their careers. I have uh, stumbled into this later in life intentionally, but, but not as focused on it throughout my existence. And so it's a different pathway. uh, But, but yeah, it is in my blood. That's interesting. What I now now I'm feeling like, hold on. What did you want to do that eventually? Obviously, uh, you made the decision and go. Okay, well, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this all the way. No one becomes an entrepreneur by accident like that. <laughs> it's too hard to do it all the way to where you are on accident. So, but where where was the fork in the road for you? Um, you know, the only thing that I ever wanted to be uh, was a dad. Um. Five years ago, if you would ask me what I was going to do, do right now, I was going to be at home raising my son. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the career space in, a, in my former life and uh, just had an idea to mitigate a lot of the pain points that our students go through and uh, reimagine a world of diversity that includes that of lived experiences and identities. Uh, came to a business plan um, in summer of 2018. And then, you know, unfortunately the world universally aligned around what we were doing already in 2020, at which point, um, you know, we put the pedal down and and, and we, we went, but it really, you know, until 2018, this was, this was never even a thing. It was just uh, born out of, I think some healthy frustration and, some of the traditional offering and um, knowing or having the confidence uh, that I had some stuff behind me from a skill set and information standpoint to uh, make some change in a meaningful way. Yeah, there's uh, it's interesting you say this because I think one of the things that often is sort of an undertone of what's currently happening in the workforce between, you know, small businesses and when they're looking to hire or even major enterprises is, this generational gap in between talent, right? And then how to navigate and, and, and do all of that. Have you found in, in maybe early on in your work or even currently right now, the work that you're doing, like it requires you to be able to prepare the younger people for how to work and operate 
within cultures where there's huge generational gaps or has that not been a part of your work at all? No, I think it's more for me about empowering them to be part of the process and to not just be prepared, but be informed in enough time to make a choice that they're interested to then know what the skills are going to be required of them to then engage transactionally successfully at the point in time where they're applying to internships or jobs or whatever else. And so um, we just need to you know, find a way to not have a student need. And we talked about this the first time we met. Um, unfortunately, college is still the place where you got to pretend to know who you are when you show up to get a job, where it's intention to be the place where you're supposed to figure out when you're there. And we got to slow down and we got to give more of the power, more of the conversation to the user, the candidate, the early career job seeker, so that they are not required to have personal resources or lateral networks the minute they hit campus to engage in whatever industry they might not even know exists uh, when they get there. And so um, we can do better and we are about just building a more solid pathway for them once they get to school uh, that then informs kind of where they're going to be afterwards. That's funny. Yeah, I do recall the short amount of time I was in college. Uh, everyone already just expected you to have it all ready to go. And uh, no one gets paid to teach you twice. And <laughs> the, the, the list goes on. And then uh, you hear about internships, but even the internships need to know you were already a part of other networks and communities and organizations, or even a couple of years of experience, even already as an intern. So you need an internship for the internship. Some right. of those things. Is this sort of what you're referring to? Yeah. And I mean, we talk a lot about reimagined relevant experience. You just hit on internships. I think sometimes when you look at a resume, the the experience section is the least relevant point. Uh, when we have students who are in phenomenal scholarship programs or who have done awesome research projects in their classes, because for whatever reason, a summer availability full time their sophomore year just wasn't in the cards for them. It's looking at where are those pockets of experience that are still relevant that aren't always required to be that traditional thing that is the internship um, that is often even more interesting than perhaps, you know, an internship that was lined up for me from a personal resource and opening up the, the dialogue to, from a professional skill set standpoint, what do I know is interesting for you to know? It could be a class that I took, like I mentioned, that um, might only be referenced in a list of relevant coursework before, but when given the opportunity to talk about a project in the class, it becomes a little bit more meaningful, or it could be the resiliency of my personal background. You know, it could be that I am a first-generation college student or a first-generation American, and there's a lot of, of my upbringing and the success that I've had that is equally as relevant, but it's still not an internship. And so it's really, you know, encouraging everyone to look a little bit more holistically at the candidate as a person, not just as an employee. This is this is super important, specifically. Uh, Jason himself not only works with a lot of companies that are at like uh, at a level where they're pulling in hiring agencies, but one of his many businesses under his umbrella is an agency that places people in roles for work, right? And it's it's true what you were saying, and I'm about to bring Jason into it. But I got I you know as a first generation born in this country, it's not uncommon to as early as you possibly can when you start reading to start reading in English for a parent or already really early on you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing until you know your later years so th there is a lot of what you're talking about that relevant experience and what does that mean and because you know there might be some others who may have a deeper network in their own background because of their family but 
have never even so much as lifted a finger at home at all in any respect right. because they never had to. And, and what that does mentally to someone, their work ethic, things of that nature. So I, I want to tie Jason into the conversation now because it's a perfect moment. Uh, and not only as a serial entrepreneur, but one that also came into an agency, which has its own story. And sort of, I want to hear his reflections on what you've brought up so far, because I think this is an interesting conversation. It is. And it's because you're on one end of it and I'm on the other end of it. So it's like two different ends of it, but they tie together really well. And so what we focus on in the staffing agency is when we're going to find somebody and hire somebody, say for a solar company, they need to be familiar with CAD and all these different things, right? So here's what we don't focus on. Somebody that knows how to do CAD, (laughs) right? We don't focus on that. We focus more on potential versus experience. And you get way more qualified folks than you will if you, you know, go out and find this. Well, I've been in CAD design for the last 30 years and yada, yada, yada. This has always been true throughout my entire military career of 23 years. And I've always applied this to everything. I can take somebody because I spent the first, you know, half of my career uh, as a scout sniper and I used to train other snipers. I would rather train somebody that's never picked up a weapon in their entire life than somebody from Kentucky that's got a big old wad of dip in their mouth. And I've been shooting since I was two, right? You know why? Because they got a lot of bad habits. That's why. So it's a perfect time to segue people coming out of college that, yeah, they have the college experience, but they don't have the real life experience. And it's a good damn thing, actually, um, in my opinion. And I look at our following at the strategic advisor board, just on YouTube, the demographic itself is between 24 and 38. That's the demographic. That's consuming content, right? Because they're eager to learn all these things, right? Not for a resume check mark, right? For a potential check mark. So, you know, I think we have to shift our train of thought as founders and owners of companies to get out of the old way of, well, you know, come in the door, sit down, and here's my standard block of 36 questions that don't mean jack shit anyway, right? (laughs) Um, None of them do. So instead, let's ask questions and have conversations around potential versus what have you done? Because a lot of people do a lot of good things. That doesn't mean they're good at them (laughs) either. A lot of people can say, well, I've done this or I've done that or you know, great for you uh, there, Trigger, but what is your potential? You got to draw out people's potential so you know what is the maximum amount of lemonade I can get out of this lemon, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. We want people to work more efficient, not more hours, more efficiently. And that's what we should be striving for with our youth is teaching them how to work more efficient, not sit at a desk for eight hours. Cause it's not about hours. It's about efficiency. And if we start teaching that now, 
right? To our young people, look, you don't need to sit in a cubicle for eight hours because the fact is, is five and a half of them, you're going to be on Facebook scrolling up and down the feed, right? So why be there? And a lot of CEOs are adapting to that train of thought. So at least a lot of the ones I work with anyway. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I think it's interesting because we, we are on very different you know, ends of the spectrum. Um, I focus less on what we can teach them. And mm-hmm. I worry more about what they need to teach us. Right. So when we think about mentoring, I focus on reverse mentoring. When we think about uh, who is going to walk into our offices and, and how do they feel about being their full selves um, when given the opportunities to the way that our platform works. Um, when we talk about diversity as a self-identified, ever-evolving, all-inclusive thing, um, when we give them the opportunity to say, you know, what is it about my life or about my background that is what I believe most relevant to me being successful at work? Two years ago when we launched, um, the first-generation college experience was not on my radar. I'm not a first-gen college student. 38% of our students, um, when given the opportunity to self-identify, lead with that. And so what we're able to do, too, is as we have, you know, um, different perspectives around talent engagement and development, um, there are many that focus on C-suite and executive level. We focus on this systemic change starting with the bottom up. Um, I can now tell companies or inform companies. Our our clients range from Accenture to Disney to uh, Goldman Sachs and, and across all industries. If first generation as a diversity component is not on your radar right now, guess what? It's got to be because 38% of, of our next gen town are walking in the doors with that. It's a very integral part of who they are as people. And so I think as relevant as us teaching them um, what we know, I think we all become much better people when we include them as teachers in the conversation and we start assigning and, and including them in, in that uh, information sharing communication flow that I think traditionally we just haven't given that enough attention. This is sort of the uh, proverbial, uh, I'm not good with computers, but you grew up with computers. How do I do the thing on the computer? Sort of that, where it's like, even though you clearly could teach them a thing or two about quite possibly anything in business and in life, let's be honest. I mean, we talk about this a lot on the show, Jason and I, how the pandemic created a lot of 19-year-old life coaches. And it's like, well, (laughs) yeah. it's about relevant experience in the realest way, man. And I don't think, you know, that's a harder sell, but I'm confident they could teach us about any number of things in pop culture, uh, technology and how to leverage social media. In fact, you look at the, the general social media coach consultant professional, and they are vastly younger than the majority of the people who are in advertising or digital marketing and how that makes like a difference in the way they understand the algorithmic nature of those platforms. So you're absolutely right. And it's really interesting to be able to have uh, the the both ends of, of sort of the entire business process of, uh, right here to have this conversation. It's not like I did it intentionally. I was just really <laughs> excited to have you here be on the show and like 
share the things that you're working on and where you've been the past couple of years, because you, I've, I'm a firm believer in having good people, know good people. No. And I'm an upvoter for good people in business. Cause when you run into an asshole, you just got to wonder how do they stay in business? You know, like who voted for them <laughs> by giving them money, you know? So I'm really excited to have you here. And in the interest of that, I'd love to know bottom line, what, you, if you have businesses attention right now, what you do, and they're listening. Bottom line, what do you want them to know about not only what you're working on right now, but also what you want to leave behind for them uh, to to know, like that you could apply this today, you know, in your hiring practices or even in your firing practices or anything of that nature. You know, I, I think that if I look at um, there are people that are in functional roles with recruiting, there are people that are in non-functional roles. I think that that um, it's everyone's kind of responsibility to do what they are capable of um, with regard to kind of the next generation of talent, um, the next generation of diversity that is the next generation of talent. Um, we do not all need to be diversity experts to make change. Um, there are very simple things that we can do. Um, reimagining relevant experience, right? Looking at technology as a personalization um, personalized effort that can actually resemble and impact more campuses, more students without needing um, to go somewhere to find meaningful engagement. We can pull students from, you know, state colleges in Georgia, not only Ivy League students, because what the world has taught us in the past couple of years is to really function succinctly, efficiently, and enhance our conversation around the virtual environment. Um, and I think, too, when you look at back to kind of what I was talking about first generation college students, you know, there are, there are immediate priorities around representation. There are things that we're currently working on. There's also the ability to think long-term as well. And so just, you know, find resources around you that are going to support who your company is now, who your company wants to be soon um, and be comfortable with the unknown. Cause I think the only thing consistent that we've seen is that everything changes in a minute's notice in the past couple of years. So just, be ready to pivot and find some resources around you that can be with you. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that should be the title. I really like the idea because I mean, it's, it's your terminology and your phrasing that you've been sharing this whole episode is that reimagining relevant experience. And, and I think even just that phrase really captures the sort of spirit of this conversation of being able to, if we've all had the thought, Hey, it doesn't really work, does it? The structure in place, the way things are are working at a company and how everything is sort of very top-down in a world that hierarchy really no longer supports at the rate of development of technology and its pacing. And like we just covered with the uh with the people, like Jason was mentioning, you know, why spend eight hours in front of a computer if you can get your work done in three? And in fact, as Google has been famous for, sometimes just sitting down doing nothing for a few hours and thinking about the business and the company as a whole, what that can do for revelations of, of creativity and innovation and all this needs to be taken into heavy consideration as the world becomes more and more remote, more technology reliant. I th I th this is what I'm hearing when you're saying. Is this accurate? Yeah, it's. Um, I, I, I love that you called that out. It is. Um, the reimagination of what is really important from an experiential standpoint that is not only 
the skills that I've been trained to use or the classes that I took, right? You give me a, and also the next generation of our workforces doesn't have to always be next generation Gen Z talent, right? We have several people who over the pandemic, regardless of um, whether they're my age or 18 year olds, showed themselves as massively competent, aggressively curious people by completing, you know, hours on end of asynchronous online trainings, right? And so it's looking at what have people done in times of crisis, right? Who sat and kind of waited for the world to fix itself and who's continued to pursue things, you know, even like what you've done, Phil, to be honest, like who said, what, how can I be creative now and continue learning about myself and be better when the world solves itself? I'm more interested in that stuff. Um, and so I really think it's about really holistically seeing not just a person's successes, but really examining their failures and how they learned or built back from those. Um, but it is beyond the traditional, you know, experience section of a resume that I think is very, very interesting to dive into. I love that. I, f- I feel like I just heard you say, you know, everybody has that entrepreneurial spirit in them to some lesser or greater degree. And those who can exhibit that sort of grit and that sort of tenacity and curiosity that really shows the promise for the, the, the path forward. And that's not something that somebody gets from going to school in a classroom. And, and we've covered this on, I don't know how many, what is that? Like almost 300 conversations here, Jason. Right. So yeah, for, for me, I, I really feel that we finally arrived at something that anyone who's in business can really agree with. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, and then the, people... class, the classroom's important, right? Like there, we have um, you can, but you can have everything live together nicely. If I'm only an academic, great, and I'll go be a physicist, and I never need an internship. I just need to be in the <laughs> But like you know, there are there are, there's this world of if I love academics, just let me be an academic, and if I need to go drive Uber Eats or have a part time job instead of having a full time internship then that's just as relevant. But if I hate class and I want to go do a co-op program, that's fine too. But again, it's looking across the board at really what has that person done to learn, to achieve, and to be curious and not linearly defining that in only one of those zones that we talked about and giving them you know, the platform to say, this is what works for me. And now let me uh, have technology you know, through Hive to better communicate that to someone who's on the receiving end so that they're a little bit more inclusive in the way they consider me for opportunities. Perfect. I think this is a great opportunity to not only take a quick break to give a shout out to our supporters who made this conversation possible, but then I also want to roll out the red carpet for you post that of where people can connect with you. So if you will allow me to just give a great shout out to Joel Phillips of ProShark. And essentially when you are in business, whether you're starting out or you're now focused on growth and scaling up, you're going to need to be looking at your tech stack and ProShark can help you do that. And when we're talking tech stack, we're not just talking like you know, oh, what tools do I need for my marketing, like a CRM? There's cybersecurity that you need to be aware of. Uh, there is your shopping cart set up properly. Do you need to be HIPAA compliant or do you know the tools you need for that? The list goes on, right? But you're going to need a full tech stack to run a business properly. And then, you know, you can make the mistake of getting the tools that you think you need versus really having somebody there who can tell you, trust me, you'll save more money this way. These are the tools that you need. It's all one inclusive. And we can even help you 
get them working and running, not just telling you what tools and helping set up. And that's that. No, we'll, we'll sit there with you to make sure that it's working for your operation. That's what ProShark can do. And that runs the gamut from whether you're a new company or a senior company, right? A more established company. All you have to do is actually reach out to them at proshark.com, let them know the war room sent you, and they will give you the the red carpet treatment because they are a part of this business community and do understand your issues. Uh, So with that said, thank you, ProShark. And now, Byron, I want you to tell people where can they connect with you and what's the most relevant way for them to like start a conversation with you? Hellohive.com is our website. Um, Byron at hellohive.com is my email address. Uh, Byron Slows are on LinkedIn. I am uh, extremely uh, responsive. So feel free to reach out and I'll connect you to the right members of our team. All right. So here it is. I think we're ready for the grand finale, right, Jason? I think so. All right. Okay. So Byron, if you could have invited anybody, and this question might sound familiar to you, if you could have invited anybody to this conversation today, who would you have loved to have had here, dead or alive, and why? Question is, did it? Did it change from last time? Ah. <laughs> this answer will never change, although his age has uh, my four and a half year old son. I have, um, in the middle of a global pandemic, built a business, um, have not been at home as much as I would have liked. Uh, he is now of age to where he knows me. I know him. Um, it's a real relationship. And so two years ago when we chatted, I said that I wanted him here. Uh, that will always be the case because I want him to be very proud of his dad. Um, and see everything that we're doing to impact, you know, his generation's ability to be whoever they want to when they get to the workforce. I love that, man. It's very, it's very consistent with what you said earlier about like, all I ever really wanted to be was dad, you know, and I just happen to be doing all this business stuff to be a, uh, to be a dad that makes the world a better place for when he gets older. I feel like there's this real sense of purpose and mission and man, that's, I could just, there's no higher calling. I, I really like how human that answer is uh, for me. It was a pleasure being able to speak to you again. Uh, I can't thank you enough for stopping by. It is tradition here for Jason to close this out, but I just want you to know that personally, I've had a great time chatting with you again, man. Been good to see you again, my friend. Everybody wants to be the best dad you can be, right? I mean, I've I got four kids and three grandkids, so it's like <laughs> you want to try to always be the best. And you know, I was back in my hometown. Oh, I don't know. That was like a month ago or something, and. Uh, my one of my grandsons, he's he's seven, so he's actually, or no, eight. So he's two years older than my youngest son. So my youngest son's actually his uncle. Weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some southern shit right there for you. <laughs> but you know, he came up to me and he was like, "You know, I really love drones." right? And wants to get into the whole drone thing. And uh, so I, I bought him a drone, uh, you know, not a real expensive one, but it's given that kid such a creative outlet, right? To, to do all these things and so on and so forth. So anyway, the moral of that story is, yeah, I get where you're coming from there as a dad. And uh, it's really important to, sometimes we got to stop and just put it all down and be in the moment. Right. So, and as business owners, sometimes it's, it's hard to do that sometimes, but 
the uh, realization that you're doing it is the most important. Anyway, thanks for being here. Appreciate you being here um, and taking some time to stop by and, and share some value with our audience. Appreciate it very much. Happy to help. Thanks for having me. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.